I ain't gonna lie. You're special. Thank you. I mean, you ain't no Malcolm or Martin Mandela, but... No argument there. But I know what I've got to do. So, a black Captain America, huh? Damn right. The fight you taking on ain't gonna be easy, Sam. Yeah, I might fail. Shit, I might die. But we built this country. Bled for it. I'm not gonna let anybody tell me I can't fight for it. Not after what everybody before me went through, including you. Shit. I almost bought that. Man, do you ever lighten up? Nope. Mm-mm. <laughs> From Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to the MCU Diaries. It's a podcast dedicated to every Marvel Studios series on Disney+. So sit back, relax, and let's break down Earth's mightiest heroes. everybody welcome back to the mcu diaries i am your host blake larson and today today i have the pleasure well yeah i guess so i guess so the pleasure of speaking to you about episode 106 of the falcon and the winter soldier one people one world and uh as it serves as the season one finale of the falcon and the winter soldier there has been no guidance as to whether or not this is going to be continued as a TV series, and likely the series is ending, uh, as we know it, as the Falcon of the Winter Soldier. As you know, and as you watched, it is potentially restarting as Captain America in the Winter Soldier. So, uh, it's there. there's not much clarification as to whether or not we're going to get Season 2. I, pr- I particularly don't know if Season 2 is needed Though, I'm sure if they really wanted to, they could figure it out and make it all work together. I I just, I I don't know. I just don't know. Though, though, it has been announced that Malcolm Spellman, the head writer for The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is actually taking on Captain America 4. There has been no director. There has been no casting, obviously, aside from, uh, you know, Anthony Mackie as Captain America. Uh, there has been no story. There's been nothing but Malcolm Spellman is tackling Captain America uh, 4, and uh, we don't have a release date. There's nothing there. It's just been announced. So that's actually quite a big deal. Sam Wilson is getting his own Captain America movie, and this serves as the precursor to that film. So Marvel keeps chugging, ladies and gents. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. And I think Captain America four, the film should be good though. I think we have some mixed feelings, or at least I know I have some mixed feelings about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We will get to that in a minute, but in the meantime, before we get into breaking down the finale, episode one Oh six, 
Just wanted to remind you that you can please check out MiriamBlake.com, all the great podcasts that we have over there, including OutlanderCast or The Potterverse or This Is Us Too or Bridgerton with Mary and Blake. There's a whole bunch of different stuff. And as a matter of fact, my wife and I, Mary, we will be tackling The Last Kingdom starting in June. So if you are a fan of The Last Kingdom on Netflix, you would definitely want to stay in touch with us on uh, either maryandblake.com or all the various social media platforms. Just look up Mary and Blake. You'll find us there. But in the meantime, let's get into this episode. That's right, we're talking about the Falcon, the Winter Soldier season finale, episode 106, One People, One World. And this episode, I think, is an example of MCU storytelling at its finest. Really, its finest. But also, also at its very worst. (laughs) We'll get into a bunch of the different reasons why. But let me say this. I really, really wanted to like this episode. Unfortunately, I didn't. And I wanted to like this episode because I actually quite like this series. I like what I like what the MCU is trying to do. It's it's trying to give its side characters a, a lot more characterization, a lot more story, something that we can actually dig into when we get to the big tentpole films. What makes us care? Sam, before this series, really had no backstory. I mean, there is some story alluded to, but he's been just a character that exists next to Steve Rogers is, I remember in Captain America, uh, the Winter Soldier, he says, I do what he does, just slower. And that's kind of been what Sam has been. So what they're trying to accomplish in this series is admirable. And, and, and its execution, too, I think is pretty good for the most part. I mean, the action is well shot. There are very poignant and obviously extremely topical themes that are being explored. And, of course, oh, the bromance. Oh, the bromance. <sighs> the chemistry between Bucky and Sam, you know, that being Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stam. Uh, it's a little bit of movie magic that I don't think either the Russo brothers who directed Captain America Civil War or obviously Kevin Feige, the producer for the MCU, expected to experience during their days crafting Captain America Civil War. I mean, when you have the scene (laughs) of Bucky asking Sam to move up his seat and Sam just being like, nah, not doing that. And like just the interplay that those two have. I mean, you have to mine that for more content. it's, It's just gold chemistry. I mean, you have to do it. And while that scene is very funny, in I how I truly, absolutely adore and love it down to the very atoms that form my MCU blessed heart, a good show. This scene does not make. It's not. You cannot have an entire show dedicated to just the the quippy bromance between the two. 
So in order to create a good show, the MCU and hand writer Malcolm Spellman, as we've talked about, you know, they have to manufacture a, a compelling reason for that show to exist for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Why should it exist? You know, part of that process is finding a central question or theme and thereby a thesis to answer that question or theme, because a theme is always a question. It isn't just brotherhood or love. You know, it's it's a question that must be asked, and your show has to have an answer to that question. I always fall back, always, always, always fall back to the show Chernobyl. The theme of that show was very plainly stated right at the beginning. What is the cost of lies? And the character Jared Harris plays says it right in the beginning. That was that is the first line that spouts out of his mouth. That is a theme is a question that needs to be explored, and your show should explore that theme and answer that theme by the end of its run, which Chernobyl does or did, and I think the Falcon and the Winter Soldier does. There is a really compelling question that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier asks its viewers. And the theme here is, can a black man be Captain America? And in turn, the natural thesis that answers that question, that one that Malcolm Spellman is trying to prove, yes. Yes, there can be a black Captain America, but it's really fracking complicated. <laughs> and, and that the the it's really fracking fracking complicated part, that is the gray area in which this show ought to rest. And when it does, it is fascinating. Give me all the emotionally charged conversations with Isaiah Bradley, who's brilliantly portrayed by Carl Lumbly, or even the cathartic moment in episode 105 when Bucky apologizes for not recognizing the burden that he and Steve Rogers placed on Sam when they gave Sam the shield. Top that off with the incredible chemistry that we've already talked about, shared between Mackie and Stan, and this is absolutely the MCU at its best deconstructing hard themes with characters with whom we already know and love. We have an investment in these characters. We're allowed to have preconceived love of them as they explore this theme. So that means the storytelling comes first, not set up. This is the MCU at its best. That, that takes its, uh, it takes its assets and uses them to its fullest potential. In other words, that facet of the, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier stick, sticking to its theme, like WandaVision, that, that it's an independently great story, which just happens to have ties to the MCU as opposed to the other way around, where it would be an MCU story that has a, a tie to a great theme. There's a distinct difference there. And if it stuck to, can a black man be Captain America without everything else? we'd be talking about a great story. Unlike WandaVision, however, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier does not stay so tightly gripped to its main characters and or to its central thesis. Yes, a black man can be Captain America. What I mean is, instead of just sticking to that, we are subjected to an onslaught of stuff in this series. And especially in the final episode. Stuff 
like the reappearance of George Petrock for reasons. <laughs> he shows back up because he shows up. Or the bombing of a, tr- I'm sorry, the, yeah, the bombing of a truck full of super soldiers by none other, other than <gasps> Zemo's butler. Dun, dun, dun. Or, of course, we have to mine for more Marvel Universe content to keep the MCU freight train running. So we see the oh, so predictable reveal of Sharon Carter as power broker. And, of course, there's a, an opening left wide open for Wyatt Russell to remain in the MCU as U.S. agent. This is all stuff that detracts from the central thesis or the central theme we're too busy focusing on everything else that the theme gets put to the side and until it finally comes to a point at the end where they're like oh crap we have to resolve all of this stuff let's have sam do a huge speech towards a couple of senators have it be put on live television and this is how we resolve our central theme But adding all this stuff, it just means more content. It means more story and more characters to use as the MCU mines the comics for more narrative. And therein lies the problem. Mining. We're content mining. Since it's designed to never end, only more content, more content will keep the MCU chugging. This isn't a bad thing. It's a simple statement of fact more characters need to be introduced nuggets for huge spanning arcs have to be specifically planted in optimal story points and the audience has to be given enough of a satisfying story to be happy with the product but also left with enough questions and or a need to keep coming back for more what other stuff can we put in here so that people keep coming back Can a black man be Captain America in today's America? The MCU is loudly declaring its answer with a resounding yes. So, they built a show around Sam Wilson struggling with his responsibilities to the shield, the mantle of Captain America, and the shadow cast by his friend Steve Rogers. But wait, there's more! As Bucky says, yes, Sharon really does suck. And look, look who we have now, U.S. agent. And he is going to be the main cog of another team of heroes created by Allegra de Fontaine. Oh my God, it's going to blow your brains. <sighs> Stuff. Stuff. By the way, let me say this right off the jump. This is not a knock, this, this criticism here is not a knock on Sam's arc or even Bucky's arc for that matter. They they both begin one way and end in a completely different way. And that is all I can ask for in a, in a, in a well-written show. Give your characters a, a, a starting point and give them an ending point where they're completely different or something has changed to evolve them. Sam starts off not wanting to accept the mantle because he doesn't have enough confidence in himself and 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 he doesn't think he deserves it. It doesn't feel like him. But he ends up being the new Captain America. And Bucky, Bucky is able to find a relative peace with himself and his deeds as the Winter Soldier, especially when he goes to speak to Takashima. 
Not to mention, by the way, that the fact that the, the that Sam and Bucky actually become genuine friends as they uh, enjoy the party together at the end of the episode. And by the way, by the way, Bucky bringing an Oreo cake to this party. I see what you did there. Love it. They're genuine friends by the end of this series, as opposed to the co-workers, as they refer to themselves, or not even really friendly at the beginning of the series. It's obvious that for these two characters, there was a clear plan. And while there are some clear issues with that plan, and which the writers had in stitching these two stories together... I'm willing to whistle past that graveyard because of the sheer likability of Sam and Bucky. That very clear plan, though, I I think that begins and ends with Sam and Bucky. Because aside from that, the story goes wildly wrong when we get all of the stuff. And chief among that is John Walker. Hold on, wait, 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 time out. Didn't I say a couple of episodes that John Walker is the best character? Yeah, I did. And he was. Until he wasn't. (laughs) And that happens in this episode. While Sam is fun, if not a little narratively boring, just because he is who he is, and he reminds me of Steve Rogers in a sense that he's just a good person and he does good things for the sake of doing good things. Right. And that is boring. (laughs) Just being good all the time is boring. Bucky, I think isn't, is actually extremely interesting because of his connection to Steve, as well as his own journey to accept himself as who he is, as opposed to who he was. That is an interesting narrative. And while those two things do exist, it was actually John Walker, in my opinion, that started off as the shining beacon of change for the MCU. If the thesis of this show is, yes, a black man can be Captain America, but it's really fracking complicated, then John Walker was very clearly the antithesis, or antithesis, if you will. Implicit in this relationship, the thesis and antithesis, is that they are in direct opposition of each other. The characters that stand in for these ideas make for a profound exploration in what it truly means to be Captain America in the modern world. Sam being the thesis, and John Walker being the antithesis. This isn't me telling you this, by the way. The language of the show is making this claim, as it pits the rise of Sam against the fall of John Walker. A black man ascends to be Captain America, while the hand-picked white government agent devolves into violence and madness and loses the mantle of Captain America. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier has used this entire series to build John Walker as the antithesis of Sam Wilson. That's not to say that he's a bad guy or that he's overtly racist. I I don't think that is the case. Rather, John Walker embodies all that is wrong in the presumptuous system of the American government. A blonde-haired, blue-eyed, strapping man with a jawline that could slice deli meat— who has passed all of the tests and scored the highest marks in all of the categories except for the ones that actually matter. Not only that, he is beholden to the American government for his title. 
That is the opposite of what Captain America is. That is the antithesis to Steve Rogers' thesis and especially Sam Wilson's thesis. For Walker, all seemed well on the outside, but on the inside, he was rotting away to the sound of his own self-doubt, self-loathing, and uncontrollable jealousy. Add in the fact that he could not accept responsibility for his actions, which is a very un-Steve Rogers, Sam Wilson trait to have, by the way, and how he continued to lash out at those who did not accept his insistence he remain in his stasis, as we talked about last episode, especially when he tells the senator, I am Captain America. This contrast is furthered by a very tangible difference in costumes where Sam's Captain America uniform is is predominantly white, while John Walker ends up in a black and slightly menacing uniform as the U.S. agent. This thereby evokes the natural push and pull of good versus evil, setting up John Walker to be, again, the antithesis of Sam Wilson. Not to mention that Sam's vibranium shield remains unmarked, while the fake metal shield uh, that John Walker creates, well, that's destroyed in battle. Those are very purposeful visual cues that they are setting up thesis and antithesis. And this all sounds good, right? Yes, because it is. (laughs) It is good. But here's what's bad. Nothing happens to John Walker. Walker is left unscathed because the show needs him to be U.S. agent for future MCU movies or properties. Which also, by the way, saving him for future movies, I'm okay with. What I'm deeply disappointed in is the manner in which Malcolm Spellman chooses to facilitate Walker's in quotes, transformation into U.S. agent. John Walker's mere existence epitomizes an interesting commentary that few franchise, never mind one that is as big as and safe as Disney's MCU, would, that would ever make, especially when one considers the stunning shot which concluded episode four, that, of course, being John Walker holding a blood-soaked shield. It was... Fitting that John Walker failed so miserably as Captain America, especially when he pulverized Nico's head into a fine raspberry jam. And after spending an entire series building John Walker as Sam Wilson's antithesis, as we've already proved, the finale, well, the finale creates and posits a scenario where John Walker returns as Captain America to take vengeance on Carly for killing his best friend Lamar. There's even a beautifully ambiguous line that Carly didn't mean to kill Lamar because she didn't want to hurt anyone who didn't matter, which thereby enrages Walker even further. This is interesting. This is good stuff. But instead of continuing down this interesting road, (sighs) instead of writing an interesting avenue to provide a major revelation to Walker's character, something that it will change him, something that will that will either uh, create an apotheosis, if you will, of Walker's character, uh, him going into a completely different stratosphere as a a character, uh, instead of something that is created to make him different. 
something that will re- reveal Walker's true choice under true pressure, as we talked about last episode. True pressure reveals choices, and those cho- those choices, the harder the choices, the uglier the choices. It is more revealing about those character that about that particular character. Instead of furthering the pressure and giving us a major revelation about Walker's character and his eventual transition into U.S. agent, Malcolm Spellman chooses to fall back in, on an overused trope of superhero stories, which is save the endangered group of people or save this one person or go after the bad guy. <laughs> you know, like the, the hero has to make a choice. Do I enact justice or do I save the person or people that are innocent? It happens more often in superhero stories than I care to admit. And it, it is a trope for a reason. And in this case, John Walker chooses the van of hostages and our pro- antagonist, if you will, uh, Carly, well, she escapes. But this moment, this, this moment right here, this choice, the writing choice, this is when the series fails. It fails because it does not deliver on the implicit conflict between the thesis and the antithesis. We have spent this entire time building this conflict, building this narrative of, can a black man be Captain America? Yes, but it's really fracking complicated. And then the antithesis is John Walker and everything that he represents. It lets it go. This right here is the MCU at its worst. Instead of John Walker fulfilling his narrative momentum and pursuing his vengeance against Carly, which would also be a nod to Sam's use of this avenging word for Bucky's motivations to heal in episode 105, Spellman wants us to believe that John Walker somehow sees the light. And he saves a van full of senators who, by the way, just took away the only job where he ever felt like he was doing something right. He makes this choice. And the problem is that because he turns around and saves these senators, all of a sudden Walker performs a massive and drastic 180 in his characterization. Hey, he saved those people. Everything's okay now. Wee! Wait, hold on. Wasn't this the jabroni who murdered an unarmed man in front of millions of people? Wait, he's the hero now? He gets to be fun and quippy with Bucky and turn into a lovable doofus as he prances around a courtroom declaring that I'm back in front of the Contessa? What the hell happened? How did this happen? Thematically, this makes 0.0 sense. It reminds me of, (laughs) it reminds me of Animal House. Mr. Blutarski, you have 0.0. That's what this is. It makes 0.0 sense. What happened to the man that stood in defiance of a nation's bureaucracy, maintaining that he was, in fact, Captain America? What happened to the man who made his own shield? What happened to the man whose PTSD and feelings of inadequacy made him to not only be jealous of super soldiers, but eventually pushed him to take that very same serum? What happened to Dr. Erskine's words that the serum amplifies what's inside the person, thus 
what's good becomes great, and what's bad becomes worse. What happened to the man who was built by the American government and was simply cast aside by that same government with extraordinarily little care? Let's explore that. This is the person I'm trying to discover. This is the person I'm watching. Nope. Walker receives an incredibly asinine and hastily constructed redemption story that spans all of five seconds. Sure, the the plot of the story suggests that Walker isn't jailed because of his esteemed service to the American government. I get that. That makes sense. I understand why he's just walking around. But what about thematic resolution? I, I suppose that one could argue that by John Walker becoming a sudden hero again, this suggests that the thesis and antithesis are combined and thereby resolved to make an amenable synthesis. But there's no nuance here. Good is good, because he made a simple choice to save people. As such, all can be forgiven. Yay! Whee! <laughs> John Walker's a hero again! <sighs> what are we doing? What are we talking about? Like there, there was that moment when John Walker screams, Carly Morgenthau, as he's walking in the Captain America suit. I'm thinking, yes, thank you. This is, this is like all the other stuff, like Bucky launching himself off of a motorcycle and the, the helicopter chase scene and, and, and the fight with, um, the fight with George Batroc and, and the, Sharon showing up out of nowhere and killing off the flag smasher with a mercury bomb or whatever it was like, okay, f fine. You know, like that, that's all ho-hum stuff like that happens. And that's just general superhero crap. Okay. Yeah, sure. But when John Walker shows up as Captain America, that brand new shield, I'm thinking, yes, now we can get to it. Now there's really something here. There's going to be a battle, a battle of identity. There's going to be uh, a push and pull of thesis and antithesis. There's going to be a push and pull on who is Captain America. Why, are they going to clash again? What? How far is John Walker going to go to fulfill his understanding of what it means to be Captain America? If you remember at the end of episode 105 as he's talking to his wife he has his head down saying they just don't understand what it takes to be captain america they don't understand this is him this was his opportunity to show them what it means to be captain america in his own perspective not necessarily what we think it is but his deranged perspective of i'm going to do whatever it takes Listen, I'm not here to write a better show, but I am here to say that John Walker's arc was obviously just an afterthought. And it was an afterthought because the show needed him to become U.S. agent. They needed John Walker to be likable, at least to a certain extent, for the next iteration of, this, of his MCU story. Again, I'm not here to write a better show, but could there be, uh, uh, 
could there be a situation in a future movie or even season two of this series where this problem of John Walker and his arc is rectified? Yeah, of course. I'm sure that there's there's something they could write in to not retcon it, but fix it. Make him uh, suffer for the choices that he's made. Yeah, sure. I'm sure they could do it. But plotting for future films is not an excuse for good storytelling for the current series that you're writing. And this is where the MCU gets itself in trouble. A series, in my opinion, must exist because it tells a satisfying and complete story unto its own thematic language for that series. Is it okay to have a mystery? Sure. Someone like Val, she plays everything close to her vest because she, in, her, in, in, in and of herself, is a mystery. We want to know more about her. What is she doing? That is the kind of question you leave unanswered. That is the kind of thing that you say, come back for more, ladies and gents. But when you build up an entire story, this entire run, and then turn it around in a, in a, the drop of a dime, yeah, not great. Could there be a situation, and now let's just talk about this episode in particular. Could there be a situation where instead of Sam fighting Carly, we actually have John Walker fighting Carly? Perhaps Walker does let that van careen to its demise because he is stuck on fighting Carly. That would make sense to his character. And then you could still save all the senators. <laughs> Sam is the one who, who can rescue them. Oh, wait. That actually does happen. <sighs> Perhaps in this particular instance, Carly is the one not fighting back against John Walker because he does not matter to her. And perhaps in this instance as well, he is the one who demands that she fight him as opposed to what actually happened in the show when Carly is saying to Sam, fight me. And maybe he actually knocks Carly down. And he's about to kill her in the same exact way he was going to kill Nico. With his, sh his shield up, ready to go. In which this would rhyme with the same killing of Nico. And at this point, we would finally have our moment of revelation. John Walker would be talked down by Sam. Which, of course, would rhyme with Sam's conversation with Carly earlier in the season when he was trying to talk her down, but was unsuccessful. In this particular case, perhaps Sam would be successful, thereby legitimizing his logos, as we talked about last episode, and fixing the pathos of John Walker, as we talked about last episode, and thereby cementing Sam as the brand new Captain America who stands by and does what is right because that's what Captain America does. Maybe also in this scenario, Sam can give his entire speech about feeling helpless and powerless, not to a bunch of senators and government lackeys we don't care about, but to John Walker someone with whom we have actually spent the entire series. 
This would be the emotional revelation for John Walker and a valid turning point in his character, one filled with dread and hate, but also forgiveness and active goodness. It's this moment when Walker realizes he can't be Captain America. He simply chooses to embrace all of his faults, and we care about that choice because it's Sam who is the one helping that transformation. Transformation, Thesis and antithesis combine to form a synthesis. You want to make it even better? Sure. Have Sharon kill Carly after Walker chooses to not kill Carly. <laughs> she just shows up and boom, kills Carly. Thus allowing for an arc for a U.S. agent to find and bring Carly's killer to justice. Wait, you can't do that. Why? Well, because the MCU needs Sharon to be power broker and no one can know about her identity. <laughs> <sighs> Like, I'm literally scratching my head. Like, what are we doing? Uh. Ultimately, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier did John Walker very dirty. In the service of building out the MCU's roster for future installments, instead of telling a complete and satisfying arc for all of its characters, is... The Falcon and the Winter Soldier a complete failure? No. Captain America, as we know him now, and Bucky, they receive good arcs, good story. It makes sense for the title characters, but for everybody else, it's a mess. And it's a mess that has a really good concept and poor execution. It's the MCU at its best and and its worst. Time for Apropos of Nothing for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode 106, One People, One World, the season one finale. Notice how Captain America has his wings spread out as he's holding a lifeless Carly in his arms. It's the writers nudging you with their collective elbows. Eh? Eh? You see what we did there? Yes, thank you for the Christ symbolism. I see what you did. Speaking of Carly's death, am I supposed to care? Honestly, like I'm not being flippant when I ask this question. It feels like the show wanted me to be super upset about her death. And I just, I wasn't. She just got done blowing up buildings and lighting trucks of, of people on fire. And I have to care about her? I have to have this big emotional moment when she is dead? When Sharon kills her? No. And that speaks to the further blurring of characterization and what seems to be a lack of control over their characters. One minute you want me to... You want, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to make her be a sympathetic character. They're trying to make the Flag Smashers be a sympathetic antagonist. I just don't sympathize with them. <laughs> I don't. I, I, if you want to give me the sympathetic antagonist, look no further than Killmonger in Black Panther. That makes sense. 
This was just, okay, we want to give stuff to people and we want to help them out. And the GRC is really bad, so we're going to blow them up. And we have this big arch, arcing, arching plan to have a, a, a rise you know, out of all of our followers. And we're just going to blow up the GRC. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And thereby, I don't see any sympathy or I don't have, I don't, I don't have any sympathy for that character. And I literally... <laughs> hate the fact that Malcolm Spellman uses the save innocent people or pursue the bad guy trope. Not once, but twice in this episode. Once, the first time was with Bucky. She says, okay, give him someone to rescue. She li- Carly literally says the phrase, give him somebody to rescue. <laughs> what? Oh, man. So they set the thing on fire. He goes and he saves he saves the people out of the van. The, van, the people in the van run away. Yay. And then she does it again when she sends the, the van off the ledge and Falcon has to save them. It, it's a whole thing. And this is the problem that I have with this finale. <laughs> what are we doing? <sighs> Wait, hold on. Did Sam do the exact opposite of what Isaiah wanted? Didn't Isaiah say to leave him forgotten to time? Okay, yeah, sure. But in the, yeah, sure. In the meantime, though, here's a whole bronze statue that's plopped right in the middle of the Captain America Museum, memorializing you in all that you've done. So I know you said you wanted this, but mm, BT dubs, here it is. Don't worry about it, though. And I get it. I, I get it's a sweet moment, and, and perhaps Isaiah Bradley does feel vindicated and recognized for his his service to his country. And thematically, it does make sense. But I think you can still achieve that with with Isaiah watching Sam on TV. I, I don't know. I just I find I found that a, an odd choice. Though I do like that Isaiah does have his own process of change too. He goes from one end saying that no black man should ever want to be Captain America to finally, as we played at the beginning of this episode, admitting that Sam is special. That is a good journey for that character. George Petrocket's inclusion in this final episode is to do nothing more than separate Bucky and Sam. That's it. He serves no purpose for the actual story. Like if you took him out of this episode... Literally nothing changes. Nothing. Not one thing. And that, that is frustrating. Why did the reveal for Power Broker have to wait all the way to the end of this season? Why is Sharon wearing this same face mask that Black Widow wears in Captain America the Winter Soldier to hide her identity and then goes the rest of the episode without it on because no one's looking for her there? And why do we care that she now has access to government secrets and weapons when Black Widow released all those secrets at the end of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and when the world was saved from, you know, Thanos? What purpose does any of this actually serve other than, yeah, we're going to have Sharon later on down the line. She's going to be important. You just wait and see. What purpose does the power broker actually serve? And why do I care about Sharon at all? She, yes, Bucky, sucks. <laughs> And the reveal of it is just so clunky. 
Another thing, why are John Walker and his wife and the Contessa hanging out in the same courtroom where Walker was discharged? How did he get access to a dressing room? And if Val is playing her cards so close to the vest, as I suggested earlier, why the hell is she openly hanging out with Walker in his new black costume? She's just, they're just there. And he's, yeah, I'm back, baby. And Contessa's there. Let's go. Hurry up. What? What? It's the same, but black. <laughs> oh my God. I did a face palm when I heard this line. There is no way that this wasn't like an ironic joke in the writer's room that was meant to be for them, but somehow just it happened to make it into the screenplay. Like th- there's no way like it was meant for public consumption, right? I just, what that does on so many different levels is really awkward and bad. (laughs) By the way, I know that Sam's speech at the end of this episode is supposed to be the big emotional release for this series. When the government finally realizes that they're wrong and this, this solidifies Sam as the new captain America. But I kept thinking the whole time that there was no way this giant monologue would ever happen because of the security reasons uh, for these senators who were just out in the open. They were just attacked. Who knows? There's, they know that there's still one other flag smasher out there. They're just out in the open and Sam has this big monologue. What are we talking about? But also because I don't think that they would listen to Sam. It has nothing to do with Sam as a person or the fact that he's Captain America, but more because these senators, they have an agenda. That agenda is what they care about. And suddenly an entire agenda is scrapped because the new Captain America has a viral rant. Again, I know it's supposed to be a cathartic moment, but it's another example of the show telling you what it wants as opposed to showing you what it's supposed to be. I know implicit in what Sam says when he says, oh, I I can feel it already. I can feel the eyes judging me right now. But there was no indication of that whatsoever in any capacity. He just says it because that's what the show is telling you. And that is frustrating. The, the, the whole episode comes to a screeching halt to have this moment of debate. And just the pace just, I mean, the, the, it just dies right then and there. I understand what they're trying to do but can we do this in, in a far less clunky way than what it was? I actually quite like that the show changes the titles to uh, Captain America in the Winter Soldier. It's a nice touch. But what does that say about Bucky? Just keep that in mind. Does he Is he still the Winter Soldier? Is there something still yet unresolved? That is a good question. And lastly, the Sam and Bucky stories are great. Like I said, I love that Sam helps Bucky become the man he should be. But my question here, though, is what does Bucky do for Sam? I mean, other than apologize, right, for for putting the undue pressure on him. How does Bucky help Sam's, Sam's transformation into Cap? I mean, yeah, he gives him the new... The new um, uniform and new wings but emotionally thematically what does bucky do for sam 
Which ultimately makes me wonder, would the show have been better if Bucky were not a part of it? Or, here, uh, no, I won't say that. The question is, is Bucky necessary to the story? Because I think the bromance and the, the, the quipping back and forth, the funny part of it, and the chemistry shared between the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it's excellent. So is the show better with Bucky in it? Yes. Is Bucky necessary in the show? That's the question. That's the question I would love to hear your thoughts on. Well, that is it for this episode. As you can tell, I was a little negative about this episode, just like the way that I was on episode 103. And it's frustrating. Uh, it's frustrating that I feel so negatively about it. I mean, I did enjoy it. I, I, If anything, it was a shoulder shrug, just like the reveal at the end with the final credit scene with, with, um, with Sharon Carter and her reveal as power broker and how she is going to sell weapons and secrets now. And what, like who, whatever, like, okay, it's a shoulder shrug. Yep. Sure. That's just one more thing. It just, and that's, that's the sad part. It just ended for me in a shoulder shrug. All right, let's close this one out as a reminder, of course. Well, you know, let's close the episode out. Well, everybody, thank you very much for taking the time to listen to the MCU Diaries. Of course, this show continues on, even though the Falcon and the Winter Soldier has ended. We're going to keep chugging, man. Just like the MCU, we're going to keep chugging because we got content for days. Uh, We're going to be covering Loki when that comes out next month. So we'll be back at it. You'll be here, right, listening to with me uh, about Loki and talking about it and breaking it down and seeing what kind of uh, story we have in store for us. Some questions that I have for you would be, so far, what do you like better? Do you like WandaVision or do you like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier better? That's a good question. I'd love to hear your thoughts. In the meantime, we also have some coverage on The Handmaid's Tale, which as I'm recording this, The Handmaid's Tale premiered today. Today it premiered, and we should see uh, some analysis of that from me in the next couple of days. So go to maryandblake.com to check out the sister podcast or the sister blog to the MCU Diaries, which is The Handmaid's Diaries. And speaking of the blog... If you want to read uh, these articles, uh, the ones that are discussed here on the MCU Diaries, you can go to the MCU Diaries blog. You'll be able to see all of my analysis and everything there. It's uh, relatively the same. The DNA exists there, but it's still slightly different. Uh, So it is worth a read, if not for the fantastic GIF usage that I I have in every article. You don't want to miss out on that. And of course, go to jointhenerdclan.com if you want to help support an independently owned and produced podcast like this and have uh, access to a bunch of really cool stuff. Well, for now, it is the end of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'll see you next month for Loki. Loki.